Good morning, Midland Free. That's a fun way to start, isn't it? And you know what that means, right? That means they worked with these kids a long time because nobody fell off, nobody did anything funny, it was smooth. That takes a lot. Thank you, Shine and Chrissy and Monica. Thank you very much, and worship team as well. Hey, my name is Jeremy. Glad to have you here to worship with us today. We're looking at the book of Philippians in our church. If you're a first-time visitor, welcome. If you're old faithful, welcome. If you're first time, we want you to become old faithful. So welcome. We're glad you're here. The book of Philippians is just actually a letter. It's not a book, but it's something that the Apostle Paul wrote to some dear friends of his when he was in prison. He was in Rome. They were in Greece. And so he just wrote them a letter to encourage them in their faith and thank them for what they did for him. And it's got a lot of good stuff in there for us, too. So we're going to get there today in a little bit, Philippians chapter 3. But before we do, I want to start with a little illustration because today's text can get kind of convoluted and all the words that are going back and forth and back and forth. So I thought I could show you this picture. And I need a volunteer to do it, but don't raise your hands because I've already got them picked. So this volunteer has kind of been voluntold, but that's for safety reasons because this is a little bit dangerous, and I wanted to make sure I did this right so I didn't hurt anybody. So Malachi, if you're ready to come up, and Tara, you'll come up as well. I need Mom here to spot him and make sure he doesn't plummet to his early demise. Um, Malachi, go ahead and turn around and face everybody up. Face everybody. Good. This is my. We've already practiced. He knows what's going to happen. This is my little buddy Malachi, and he's a brave young man. And I wanted to ask you a question before we try this, just so I know what's going through your head. Um, are you able to jump off of the stage? You think you can jump off the stage pretty good? All right. What if you fell off the stage? Would that work for you? Most likely not. Most likely not. Exactly right. Let's, we'll try to avoid the fall factor and the jump factor, too. And so the way we're going to do it is like this. You've uh, been to Spring Hill Day Camp. Is that correct? Yeah. So you've done the rock climbing wall before that we have in our gym in the summertime. All right. So when you climb the rock wall, you hold on to the rope and you lean back and you kind of really lean into that rope. So since I don't have a rope... What I'm going to do today is I'm going to suspend you from the stage above the floor. You're going to keep your feet on that edge right there. And you lean into my hands. I want to make sure you go nice and stiff. Because if you're not leaning in and you go wobbly, all of a sudden you kind of slip down and fall. And that wouldn't work for the illustration. Oh, and it might hurt you too. So we don't want to do that. Hurt you, that is. So... Lean in, and also the other big thing to know is don't look down. Whenever people are rock climbing, mountain climbing, doing all this adventure stuff, I don't really know, I'm just told that you don't want to look down. You get into all kinds of trouble when you start looking over your shoulder and looking back, and you start thinking about what's below you, and then all kinds of problems pop up and it gets really wonky. So, here, ready? Look at me. You've got to keep your eyes on me. All right, I want you leaning into my grip, and whatever you do, don't look down. Okay? Got it? Okay, don't go till I tell you to go, though, too. That's the other part. All right, so I'm going to grab firm grip on your shirt. You go ahead and get to the edge of the stage. Very good. All right, knees stiff, and lean in. Now lean back. Ready? Here you go. Go for it. Keep going. Keep going. I got you. Do you trust your pastor, Malachi? <laughs> Okay, you can grab me and come on up. Good job, buddy. All right, go ahead. 
I tried, I tried a couple, couple other kids, kids and they were like, no. no, no. <laughs> like, oh, boy. Thank you. The reason I did that is this, is because in today's text, there's some sequential imagery. There's some imagery that involves a sequence, and the words are kind of the same. They're easy to see in the original language. They don't quite pop as clearly in the translations. But what happens is this. The Apostle Paul says, I'm going to press on. I'm going to lean in. I'm going to go. But the reason I'm going forward is because Jesus is holding on to me. Now, I'm not trying to believe Jesus this morning or anything like that, but I want you to get the idea here. What's happening is this, is the words, don't look at your Bibles yet, I'm just going to read them to you. You can check me here in a minute. But the Apostle Paul uses, he says, not that I have already obtained or I'm already made perfect, but I press on to make it my own or grasp it because Christ Jesus has already made me his own. So what you have is the imagery of the Apostle Paul reaching like this, trying to grab on to Jesus, but essentially saying, I just can't reach him no matter how hard I grab. I'm not getting anything, but I keep going because he has a hold of me. So in other words, it's a lot like what you saw this morning. It's like in our Christian life, we feel sometimes this sense of insecurity and this fear of what's going to happen. We feel going through life like we're hanging off the edge of a precipice and we're just clawing and scratching and trying to get back up. What we don't realize is that we're actually much more secure than we feel because God has a hold of us. So because of his firm grip on us, we can keep reaching for him. We cannot be afraid. We don't have to look down. We don't have to look back. But we can focus up and reach and try to grab the height, the depth, the wisdom, the knowledge, and the greatness and grandeur of God because he has a hold of us. And even though we don't grasp it, that's not an excuse to quit reaching because he still has a hold of us. And because he does, he will actually make it possible for us to grab a hold of him. When he pulls us back up and we've been with him forever, then we can fully grasp a hold of him. That's the image going on here in Philippians 3, 12 and following. Some strange language, but it's the same term over and over again. It's just got the idea of lay hold of, grasp, pushing forward, trying to get our hands upon. And he's like, not that I have already obtained but Christ has already grabbed me, and so I keep reaching. So, the theme for today is this, then. God's grip inspires our reach. God's grip on us inspires our reach for Him. Because Jesus is holding on to me, then I can reach for him. Because he has me secure, then I can move forward without fear. The problem we have, though, is we're in this position, hanging off the edge, and we don't feel his grip. Like, I know the Bible tells me Jesus got a hold of me. I believe it. I just can't feel it. I mean, I don't sense him. I know he says he's with me, but I don't feel him with me. Right now, how do I feel it? How do I know for real that these promises are true? Because I read it, it's just not hitting me. 
Life is scary. We're hanging off the edge of the cliff. What do we need to do in order to feel God's grip on us? The problem is we don't feel it. Today we're going to find a solution in Philippians chapter 3. So you've got a problem, a solution, and an application. The problem is we don't feel his grip. The solution's in chapter 3. Application, I'm actually going to give you a chance to do it today. So hang on. You're going to get to practice what I preach. <laughs> I'll practice too, hopefully. Today, in our church service, and then this afternoon, and this week as well. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn there to the third chapter of the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 3, I'm going to dissect the 12 and following, but I'm going to jump back into last week's text just a little bit. You can watch last week's on the screen because I just trimmed it down a little. I want to remind you what the goal is. You know, here's the goal. He's going to say, I haven't grabbed the goal yet, but I just want to remind you what the goal is. Philippians chapter 3, beginning verse 7 on the screen, it says this, But whatever I gain I had, I counted as loss. Why? Why would I do that? Here's the purpose. Here's the goal. In order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. That, here's the purpose, I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Now, it's not that I've already obtained all this or I'm already made perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Why? Why does Paul keep pressing on? Because, most important word in this whole passage, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining towards what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, let those of you who are mature think this way. And if anyone, if anything, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. I always want to say that to somebody else. Never had that chance. Only let us hold true to what we have already obtained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you with tears walk as enemies of the cross. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory is their shame with minds set on earthly things. But in contrast to all of that, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Therefore, on account of, because of Christ Jesus, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the theme for today then is this, that we are inspired to reach for Jesus because of Jesus' grip for, uh, on us, or God's grip inspires our reach. Now, as I hinted at earlier, the problem is 
we often don't feel his grip. And we affirm it theologically. Yeah, I believe Jesus is here. I believe he's with me. I believe he's holding on. But I don't feel God's grip. I think, personally, one of the major reasons we run into for failing to feel his grip is discouragement. In other words, we are looking down, playing upon today's illustration. We are looking back. We're looking over our shoulder at things that have happened in the past. Maybe it's a major traumatic moment, one great big fail, or maybe it's a bunch of little tiny things that nobody else would notice that you just tend to do over and over again that get you down. Man, I hate it when I do that. Why can't I get over that? It's so frustrating. And you feel it, and you try, and you fall over and over and over again. Let me give you a little encouragement for that this morning. And it's a strange way about it, but it's the route the apostle takes, and so I'll try it as well. And it's this. You're never going to be perfect. You never, I know, believe it or not, you won't be. You are close. The rest of us, you know. You're never, ever going to be perfect. Never, ever, ever in this life will you ever be perfect. You need to lose the expectation of sinless perfection. Yes, it's good to try to do better. Yes, it's good to be conformed to the image of Christ. Yes, it's good to share your faith and read your Bible and pray and grow. Yes, but you're never going to be perfect. And as long as you have that expectation in this life of absolute perfection, you will always fail. You'll continually be discouraged. Look, the Apostle John, whom Jesus loves, says this, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. The Apostle Paul. Let me say that again. The Apostle Paul. Right? Like, people walk across these guys' shadows and they get better. He raises people from the dead. He casts out demons. He's shipwrecked. He does miracles left and right. He does all kinds of crazy stuff. He plants the majority of the churches in Europe and keeps on going. The Apostle Paul himself says, Not that I've already obtained all this or I'm already made perfect. Even at the very end of his life, waiting his execution in a Roman imprisonment, having done everything a Christian could imagine to do, counting everything a loss, he gave up everything to follow Christ, and then he becomes a martyr. <laughs> Still, he's not perfect. I don't know where close to the Apostle Paul, and I don't think any of the rest of us are either. And in that way, believe it or not, this should actually be an encouragement that... The reality is, in this life, we will never be free from sin. So what do you do then? I'll just say, hang it all, forget it, I quit. You know, no sense in trying because oh, never going to get it right. That's discouraging. No. Like the apostle, verse 13 says what to do. It actually tells you how to do it. How do you press on when you fail? How do you keep going? He spells it out specifically. He says, this one thing I do. This one thing I do. One thing. Can the Apostle Paul's entire life and theology be summarized in one sentence? If so, what is it? This is the one thing he does. He says, I forget what lies behind and strain towards what? lies 
ahead. That's it. Each and every day, I forget about yesterday and take another step forward and press on with today. I can't do anything about what happened in the past. My only job is to look forward to the future. I know at some point I'll fail again, but God is faithful and just to forgive me, and so I forget and I press on. What I'm actually telling you to do today is this. It sounds a little bit funny, but I'm going to ask you to remember to forget. Your job today is to remember to forget. Now, some of you, if you're like me, you might raise your hand and say, Ooh, I'm good at that. You know, I forget stuff all the time. Man, if I didn't have my keys in my pocket right now, I'd never get back into my office. They have to stay there, otherwise I'm in trouble. We forget things all the time. But the problem is, here's the thing. We remember the things we should not, and we forget the things we shouldn't. Instead, the things we remember we should forget. <laughs> For example, our sin. What happens is this, is if we focus in on our sin, that means we are forgetting the cross. And that means we are focused on ourselves. And if we're focused on ourselves, we're remembering what we did and not what Jesus did. And instead, it should be the exact opposite. We should remember what Jesus did and forget what we did. You've got to remember to forget. <laughs> you're, instead, you're remembering the wrong things. You've got to forget what you did and remember what he did. This one thing the Apostle Paul does, he forgets what lies behind. Why? Because it, like a runner, man, if you're running straight ahead as fast as you can, you're looking over your shoulder, that's not going to work. <laughs> you have to leave everything that's behind you behind you, otherwise that's going to impede your progress and move forward. You've got to remember to forget. No matter how bad it is, no matter how many times it happens, even if you botched it once, twice, or a hundred thousand times, you have to forget. Why? Because Jesus, because of Christ Jesus. In your bulletins, you'll see a little slip, and I'll explain it some more. This is one thing I really want to come through this sermon it's basically the whole answer to the question of why is because of Jesus. To every question you have, it is because of Christ Jesus. You see that specifically in verse 12 here. I'll show it to you in a minute. But let's focus in on this. The reason you keep going, the reason you forget what's behind is because of Christ Jesus hanging on to you. Now, that's kind of a metaphor, Jeremy. I understand Jesus hanging on to me, but what does that mean? Remember our picture earlier. What I said was, look, we're, we're hanging over the cliff. We're trying to reach him. We can't. But what happens when he pulls us up? When he pulls us up, then we can finally get a hold of him. Then all of our reaching, then all of our striving, then all of our pressing on is finally coming to fruition. And at that point, we are perfect. So, this is the way it says it at the end of Philippians chapter 3. After pressing on, this is what happens. At the end of your life, you will die. And at some point... There will be a resurrection from the dead. 
There's at least three possible options for this. could be the rapture, could be the coming of Christ, and it could be um, the new heavens and the new earth, depending on your eschatology. I'm not going to land on one of those today, but I want you to know, whichever one you think it is, it's guaranteed that it will occur. That you will receive a new body that is absolutely perfect, free from the very presence of sin. So, for example, Billy Graham, he died this week. His physical body is in the ground, or well, not yet, but it will be. And then it will decay and it will rot and it will turn to dust. But at some point, the same God who made human beings out of dust will resurrect those ashes and make a new Billy Graham. And that is our great hope. And if you look at it here in Philippians chapter 3, this is what we see. We press on because of Christ Jesus, who will, verse 21, what? He will transform our body to be like his glorious body by the same power. The same power that's working in little peon me. The same power that enables him to subject all things to himself. So what he's saying is, look, the same God who hung the moon and the stars and the planets and the same God to whom all of those things bow down, that self-same one, the only begotten Son of the living God, the unique Son of the Father, that same one will cause even me, even totally depraved, wicked, sinful me on my worst of days, to become perfect. To bow down to him. He will take my lowly body and transform it into a glorious body. He will cause me to be subject unto him so that I no longer desire to do anything wrong. He will transform me in every way imaginable. I just can't get over that thought. And I don't think I'm supposed to. And neither are you. This same God who hung the planets in place holds on to you. Why would we look down? Why would we look back? He's got you. Firm and secure in his grip. Don't look down. Don't look back. Lean in. Feel it. You know? Hit it. Well, how do I do that, Pastor Jeremy? Well, let me tell you. Here's, here's, here's the application. This is how you will actually feel God's grip. This is something I thought I would never, ever, ever, ever say on a Sunday morning. <laughs> Name it, claim it. <laughs> Serious. Now, people who laugh know what that means on the other side of the fence. There are some that actually teach that if you name it and claim it and pray in Jesus' name, that you'll get it. So I want a new Porsche. Dear Jesus, give me a new Porsche. Boom. Wow. I need healing. If I have enough faith, boom, I'll be healed. But wait a minute. What about Utica? Or sorry, Epaphroditus. We just read about him last week. He nearly what? Who was his best friend? Oh, the Apostle Paul. So the Apostle Paul couldn't heal him. <laughs> the Apostle Paul raised Eutychus from the dead, but he couldn't heal Epaphroditus. 
Sometimes there's just stuff that happens that we don't know the answer to, and God isn't going to tell us until we get to heaven. And that's okay. And we have to be okay with that. There's no such thing as name it, claim it, whatever I want, but there is such a thing as name it, claim it as to what God wants. And His will for your life is your sanctification, and He's promised you several things to get there. And so because He has promised, you can claim those promises. You can say, God, you have promised to give me enough grace to get through this. Give me it. God, you have promised to forgive my sins. I know I botched it. Forgive me. God, you promised to give me the compassion I need. Give it to me, Lord. Lord, you promised to conform me to the image of Jesus. Change me. I don't like the way I am. Make me different. God, you promised. And whatever it is he said he'd do, you know he'll be faithful to complete it. So you claim it. Big time. Over and over again. Each day. You said you'd be with me to the ends of the earth. I don't know what I'm getting into, but come walk. Jesus, where are you? I need you. You can claim that. And no one can stop or prevent it. Call for it. Name it. Claim it. Jesus promised. Give it to me now. Forgiveness. Healing of my sinful self. My broken heart. My need for all these other things. God, provide. And he will. He will. Give you an example of my own life, and just to show you that I'm kind of a goof sometimes, most of the time. Um, and what happens is this: we all have these needs, right? Like, there's probably something in your life right now that you need that you're not getting. Okay, so think about that. What is that thing? I need this. I'm not getting it right now. Maybe either jot it down or just put it in the back of your mind. Here's one I realized I had just recently that I'm working through, and it's the need for affirmation. Now, I really, I don't even want to say that in front of you guys, because I don't necessarily need, you know, a thousand people to come up and say, hey, you're a good pastor. You know, I'm not looking for that. But what happened is, you know, in November, my dad died, and then recently I've been watching my kids and just watching how much they come to me for my continual input and affirmation, like over and over again. Hey, Dad, come check this out. You want to see this? Oh, yeah, I'd love to see it. <laughs> over and over again. So by the end of the day, I've probably done this 25 to 50 times. Like, hey, Dad, watch this. Put your helmet on first, please. Okay, go for it. <laughs> hey, Dad, I, hey, Dad, I drew. Hey, Dad, hey, Dad, recess. And fill in the blank. Over and over again, there's affirmation desire for affirmation and my job is say, yeah, way to go. That's so cool. Wow, how'd you do that? And then I realized, hey, I'm still doing that, but I don't have a dad anymore. What am I doing? Well, for example, I mowed the lawn. I'm like, all right, I mowed the lawn. Cool, I'm a man. Boom. <laughs> Start it. And come back in, no one's saying anything. Like, hey, guys, I mowed the lawn. <laughs> Check it out! They're just playing, you know? I'm like, all right, we got to work on this. I'm going to teach them how to affirm me, right? Are they the problem? No. Who's the problem? Me and my silly need for affirmation. So eventually I get to the point where I'm like, okay, Lord, I want to keep fishing for compliments here. It's not the way to do it. How about this? You be my dad. 
I'm going to ask you for those other things that I think I need that I'm not getting from somewhere else. And let's see if you can provide. I need it, Lord. Give me this, please. I don't have anyone else saying that to me right now. Where are you? Lord, provide. And then I'm not going to say anything to anybody. You know what happens? Hey, Dad, we like the lawn. Sweet. It works. Try it. Trust me. Because of Jesus, man, you'll get what you really need. You won't get necessarily what you want, but I promise you get what you need. You name it, you claim it, you get it. As long as it's God and His grace. So, what I want to do today then is this. See these microphones up front? You've seen your bulletins. And I'm not going to have an aim it, claim it session where we call down lottery tickets and new homes and whatever else. But I do have a couple microphones up here. I'm going to challenge you here in just a minute. I'm going to show you, show you what I have in mind. What I like is this. You've got a little piece of paper in your bulletin. And it says, because of Jesus. Now, I purposely left that really, really, really wide open. Because you look at, you look at this passage, and the Apostle Paul says in verse 12, you know, because of Jesus, let me see if I can read it, has made me his own. And then in verse 21, he says, My citizenship is in heaven, and I will be transformed. And that's a great thing. So he says, Because of Jesus, my citizenship is in heaven, and I will be transformed. But I'm pretty sure that, not that that's bad, but you've got stuff to say too. Because of Jesus, fill in the blank. We heard some people give some testimonies this morning. One said, Because of Jesus, I've been sober for X number of years. We've heard others say, because of Jesus, I am forgiven. Because of Jesus, I will see my dad again. Because of Jesus, short little sentence, and what we're going to do this morning, I know it's a little bit out of the comfort zone, but I think we can do it. I think we can. I think we can. I think we can. We have a couple seats open on the front rows. And so what I'm going to invite you to do, and I want, not, I want anyone who has something to say, to come forward. Now, if we have 600 people come forward, that's going to be a little bit tricky, right? But just watch, and I'm expecting in my mind, what I'm thinking is there's going to be five people lined up over here, five, six people lined up over here, maybe ten people lined up over here, and they're just going to rotate through. One mic, the other mic. One mic, the other mic. And you come up to the mic and you say, because of Jesus, blah, whatever you want to say. Jesus says, you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. I'm giving you a chance to confess him before people today. I know it's hard to get up and talk. I know it's scary, but now is your chance. I'm going to sit down. You're going to be the preacher. You be the pastor. I'm going to listen as you come up and you proclaim Christ and what he's done for you and your life. So, the last couple minutes, are you ready? Very clear. All you're doing is one sentence. It's not an extended. It's not extended. We may have an old-fashioned revival here going in a minute. I don't know. But at some point, if, if there are 600 people that come up, it's no big deal. I'll come up at some point, and I'll just smile, and you'll be nice, and I'll say, okay, <laughs> time to go get your kids, because the nursery workers are going to kill me. But 
That, that probably won't happen. I'm just inviting you. Don't wait for somebody else. Once you come up, stand in line. You'll just work through the line. After you say your thing, you go sit back down. At the end, I'll close this in prayer. Okay? This is it. There's a slide coming up on the screen. All I'm asking you to do is fill in the blank because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, I have worth. Because of Jesus, I have a wonderful Christian wife who walks beside me and helps me through this life. Because of Jesus, uh, as a single working mom, I have a roof over my head and heat in my home. Because of Jesus, he keeps me through every storm. Because of Jesus, I'm here today. I had, uh, it was a while ago, my house burned down. I found out I had cancer two weeks later. I had someone give me a house, and I'm cancer-free. Uh, because of Jesus, I do not have to be anxious about tomorrow. Because of Jesus, I'm Because of Jesus, I'm confident. Because of Jesus, I'm alive. Because of Jesus, I have healing and I have hope for a future. Uh, because of Jesus, I've been given the opportunity to pursue my passion in music in college. Because of Jesus, my brain cancer is stable currently, and my daughter with special needs continues to fight every single day and thrive. Because of Jesus, I can have true peace through every difficult time in life. Because of Jesus, I am enough. I feel like there's one or two more left, so I'm just going to hold tight and wait it out. You ready, Malachi? All right, come up, my man. Because of Jesus, I am creative. Anybody else? This is your chance to proclaim Christ before other people. And I want to give you a chance. You can start coming as I'm talking, but I want to give you a chance right now. But when this is done, it doesn't end either. There are a couple more opportunities in your life groups, at your dinner table, throughout the week. And I don't know if this counts for Jesus, but I'll count it, even if you share it on Facebook. I'll let that count. But somehow, this week, please share 
your word because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, I am complete. Because of Jesus, I can forgive God, others, and myself. Because of Jesus, everything will end well because his plan is a good plan. Because of Jesus, I'm not alone in raising my family. Father, we thank you and praise you, for you are so good. Everything you do is right and true and just. And no doubt this list could go on forever, and we thank you that we have forever to recite this list of all the wonderful things that Christ has done for us. Forgiveness of sins, for healing, for new names, for glory, for transformation, for forever, even for today. Lord, we pray that his mighty hand would be at work in us by the same power that he will use to cause all things to bow down to him. Lord, will you please answer your promise to change and transform us. In Jesus' name, amen.